Straight Talk Live. Off. Should we get started? Let's go. Let's let's crack on. It's okay. a beautiful day in London. It's also a beautiful day here in San Diego. They buy things to impress people that they don't even like. You do have to change the culture. The culture in the organization is the most important. It's as if reality is splintering into multiple shards. Welcome to Straight Talk Live. My name is Rick Snyder, one of the co-hosts of this amazing show, a not-for-profit where we get to explore all things human, digital, and social. Um, I'm the founder of Invisible Edge and the author of Decisive Intuition. And one of my greatest passions is this conversation we're going to be having today around an indigenous perspective around our current times with an amazing um, in, uh, spiritual elder, indigenous um, leader mm-hmm. um, that I will introduce in a moment. But first, I want to get to our amazing co-host of the show, Af Moholtra. Af, take it away. Yeah, thank you, Rick. Welcome, everyone. Uh, another wonderful episode. I'm, of course, the a partner in crime, I guess, with uh, my friend Rick on this fantastic uh, not-for-profit that we've built over the last year or so. I also happen to be um, leading a foundation and part of various philanthropic activities, including running a technology company. Uh, so today's show is really important for, for all of us, me, uh, me in particular, uh, just with a short pre-show discussion I had with the guest today. Uh, there is a sense of... Um, um, uh, calm to some extent in my mind. I've got something right after this show that I've got to jump on, and I, you've that the, the previous conversation has slowed me down. And I think um, I'll use the word wisdom because uh, I'd like more of it, if possible. <laughs> we would like more of it, and we'd like to open our eyes to the amazing possibilities that the world and humanity has on offer, but also um, remember um, what we shouldn't be doing. And I think today we have, I don't really know what to expect, but uh, I'm so excited and as are many of you. So Rick, um, I'm throwing the the foosball over to you. It's from different cultures every time, cricket, foosball. Um, but let, let, let's kick off the show today and let's crack on. Okay, fantastic. So once again, um, uh, one of the things that's most important to us on this show is this conversation around climate and the planet and where are we going as a species and are we taking care of our fellow species? And I think we all know the answer is no, we're not. And um, that's why the show was created was to have the conversations that we need to be having today uh, that inspires all generations, inspires all walks of life because we're all in this together. And I think if anything with COVID, and all the things that we've been through, we realize we are all in this together. And so with that, I'm honored to introduce uh, Grandmother Lene San Moonwalker, a spiritual elder, um, author, dancer, musician, uh, mentor, inspirer, oracle, so many great things. Uh, Grandmother Lene, welcome to Straight Talk Live. From my beingness to all of yours, especially the two of you, Alf and Rick, and our technical person, Denise, taking care of stuff that way out of our hands. You don't want my hands on the equipment at all. It does stuff. <laughs> the in equipment fact, does. In fact, let's start there. Because <laughs> I, I know that 
Uh, you have told me that you've never been on a podcast before. This is your first live podcast. Yes. And, and that you were actually new to the internet as, as of a little over a year ago or so. Um, you hadn't been engaging in the internet. And so I'd love to hear, first of all, what's it like to jump into the digital world? And what had you say yes to being on this show? Well, there's a couple things there. The reason I had been avoiding it, not that I was completely avoiding it, Rick, I was letting everybody else do the type of technical work. It's because when the equipment is large enough, number one, I start feeling it. And I begin to feel actually flat mm. and binary and two-dimensional. And uh, then things start getting weird inside of me in my internal organs, if I'm doing that for too long. And before that really happens and gets too serious, usually the equipment shuts down. So this also doesn't work very well, particularly with something like a podcast, mm -hmm. and especially if it's live. Mm -hmm. So I am... I have a beloved in my life who was a computer engineer and he's the one through his understanding and training who informed me that I am inadvertently trying to liberate all of the minerals involved. As he was teaching me, I actually sat down for a class in how do computers work? Why am I struggling with this? Mm -hmm. And when he explained to me that they were melting down crystallines and precious earth and metals and forcing them into a binary language of yes, no, I immediately sat up straight and I said, oh, well, you are doing mineral slavery. That's the problem. Mm. And I said it just about that way. <laughs> I, was mm. I said, oh, no wonder. I've been trained since I was five to work with them in a reciprocal way, in a respectful way, that you approach them. And if they don't want to talk to you, you don't force the issue. Mm. And you listen. You do not force them to give you an answer you want. Mm -hmm. They are not a binary language. They don't speak Spanish. They don't speak mm -hmm. English. Mm -hmm. They don't speak Chinese. They don't speak... OMA or other languages, it doesn't matter. It doesn't, they don't speak that way. They speak like many of the living beings that are not humans. And some monkeys and elephants do have a language base, but for the most part, all other beings speak through imagery and not just words. There's imagery that they transfer to the other person and sound and vibration. We are far enough long in our being tamed, quote, being tamed, that our languages are very, very complicated to transfer complex ideas and thoughts. Having been introduced and literally sat down and on a rock and talked about the care and exchange with the rocks and how to interact with them since I was five, I found that whether I was aware of it or not, I was struggling with the technology. And I have had to spend more than a year and a half. I'm glad I started it several years earlier, but really working on my relationship with mm -hmm computers. And he also said, my dear beloved said, um, please 
you need a small piece of equipment because the larger it gets, the more opportunity there is for your energetic liberation of the mineral kingdom to start interfering. And then because it is beyond a binary language, it literally starts uh, fritzing the equipment. I have um, unfortunately have had people end up taking their equipment in to be repaired because of this. So that was from the dominant culture that could be looked at as a handicap. And from a native perspective, First Nations perspective, that's like, but you're asking someone to be different than they truly are, where we are constantly involved in this ongoing exchange with what is the natural world and the reality of it. I work on a little iPad. That's my solution. And I can feel when things are getting too much and I very carefully limit the amount of time that I am on it. And I can get up to a couple hours before it's too much. Then I have to step away and give the equipment a break from me, reboot it. And me too, I have to step away, reboot me, go back and stand on real earth and be mm. really connected with her physically reality and mm. get back in alignment. So it is... Yep. And it is. I, I can get the, I understand the addictiveness of it. I, anyone who is curious, oh my gosh, mm -hmm. that's been my biggest challenge here is how curious I am. And you can just speak to the equipment now and boom, you get to learn all of this amazing stuff about peoples from all over the world and different where we are going and what we're getting done and what we're not getting done. So it's mixed. Of course, there's always sad news that comes with it, but it's good for us to feel that, mm -hmm. Let's actually to know talk, what is real. Let, I'd love to talk about that, like what's getting done and what's not getting done. And one of the, the things that we talked about earlier was around sustainability. And I'm excited to talk to you just in this perspective that often we don't get to hear, there's such a leadership vacuum on this planet. We don't get to hear a lot of elder perspective that we need more of, just as Af was saying in our pre-call also. And, and so with sustainability, you have a very different view on sustainability than I've ever heard before um, uh, versus reciprocity. Could you share a little bit more about when you talk about sustainability, which is such a buzzword right now everywhere, and we're all mm -hmm. talking about climate change, businesses are talking about it in a new way. We're all realizing that things need to change. Can you frame up for us a little bit about how, you, how do you see sustainability versus reciprocity? Yeah, I, that was in our first conversation because I didn't know if I could do this with you that I might be a little more controversial than what you were bargaining for. Straight talk live. <laughs> That's what we have, do. That's what we I do. I have issues with your words <laughs> to start with. <laughs> yeah, good. Tell us. Yeah, so it's good. Yeah, I have issues with the word sustainability because part of what's going on is that in our language base, we do not realize, particularly in certain of the language bases, they are by nature racist, dominant, controlling, and violent. All right, from the get-go, that's from the get-go. And we're speaking in English because it's a common language and it's really quite a harsh language. I've often had people go, well, 
you often talk about how some of the translations do not work the best, that we need to speak with the original peoples of those ideas. And it's because of this very thing. So I have stuff with the word sustainability. And the reason is, is if you really look underneath it and get into the headspace and the heart disconnect with that word sustainability, there's always a someone or a something that you're hoping to sustain, to keep going. Well, who are you sustaining in that whole perspective? It's from human eyes, human brain, human heart and body. And so we are looking at sustaining the human species. And there we're right into the dominant whole head heart space again. And the heart head disconnect that takes place there where we, you know, I tell so many people and try to teach them, there's this million mile journey from your frontal lobes up here at the front, all the way through your body, going through your heart, getting your body in contact, back through your heart and back up to your beautiful limbic brain. And when you get to the limbic brain, oh, now we've got some emotions involved here. Now we have memory involved here. Then you've got to do another million mile journey all the way back through your whole system and back up, back into here, into this part of us that is reptilian. And humans don't want to deal with that. And the English language does not acknowledge that we are part of the greater whole. It's a huge gap. And so sustainability to me is a doorway into that dominancy head heart paradigm. If we're going to really, really change things, we have got to change that paradigm in our heart, body, and soul. I love the words reciprocity. It at least gets closer to what mm -hmm. most First Nations peoples all around the world really understand we're just one part of the greater whole, one part. And as I put forward energy, I have to wait and be respectful and see what comes back. And what comes back, then it is a moral, ethical obligation to give forth back into it. I've talked at some universities about this, particularly in uh alternative energies and sustainability. And when I have presented to the youth, most of them being in their 20s, some of them older in their 30s, going to college, and I talked about reciprocity there, I've had silence for some time in a very large classroom about, oh, how do I give back to earth? Mm. It's shocking. It's shocking how many people who have no clue where their water comes from. Mm -hmm. They have no clue where that piece, that head of lettuce or cabbage that they bought at the grocery store, how it got there. Do you know how that meat got there? Mm -hmm. Do you know how that got to your table? Do you know the lifestyle of those people and how that fish got there? Or those grains have you checked into this? And what do you give back to Earth Mother? Here we pay the grocer or we go to the farmer's market and we pay them or we put our own blood, sweat and tears into that ground. And with that ground, most people who garden and who farm or are into some type of agriculture actually are more clueful about it. Mm -hmm. 
because they know you've got to put something in there to get something back. But even there, we can have an attitude. What are you putting into the ground? Are you putting in harsh chemicals or are you looking at what have you got that gives back. So for us in the First Nations of the Americas, it's usually cornmeal and some fish or some poultry that we literally, so we're composting, put back into the ground Mm -hmm. as we are doing our gardens. Mm -hmm. And we put water in there. And when you're living in a more, well, I'm a desert person, So when you're living in an environment where your resources are not as plentiful as some other places, we have plenty of sunshine. That's Mm -hmm. not the issue. We have an issue with water. And right now we're in uh, a pretty serious drought. And according to NOAA, uh, the new norm, I'm still trying to get used to that. This is the new norm because it's been getting that dry, that much drier. Mm So when you lose an inch or two of water per year, we've lost three inches per year here in New Mexico in the last 30 years. That's huge. That's the amount of rainfall we've lost. We've gone from 14 inches a year to 11 inches a year. That's huge. So we're in a pretty serious drought. That's a 30-year pattern that's been going on when you have to bring in water in a situation like that you are really clear about how conservative and conservation oriented you must be and water is life we talk and you see billboards about the sacredness of life and yet we are not really understanding you don't just turn your tap on that water is a precious resource and we have to re- be respectful of the source of the water. It is from the sky and from the earth. And how does it get into your tap or how do you haul it up from the river or the creek or from a well? What are you doing with your water? I was pretty shocked about it. I thought more people, especially because uh, some of the studies I've done are of desert people. One of them was in Santa Fe which is just an hour north of me. And it was astounding to watch and to read some of the responses of people. And these were not all kids. These were older people that they really didn't know where Santa Fe got its water. I was Mm -hmm. like, oh my goodness, we are in a peck of trouble here. Mm -hmm. Because how do you give back if you don't know what you're getting and the preciousness of what you're getting? Reciprocity as is that give back and forth. As you receive, you give back. And as you receive, you give back. How are you giving back? There are many ways that natives from all over the world talk about this. I have had the privilege of speaking with many other elders that, and I'm not totally against what's currently going on. I can't be. I was raised in a household that was biracial, multicultural. They were emphatic that it's going to take all of us to get through our challenges. I firmly believe that. I've led my life 68 years running on that premise, and it is making a difference. Progress is slow. But reciprocity means that it is not this just take, take, take which is a single line trajectory. 
And what mm. happens when you get to the end of that line? Well, you mm. fall off the cliff. Mm. And here we are. Where reciprocity, you send forth and you give forth. And then it comes back to you and you receive and you send forth and give forth. And it comes back and you receive. So even with the term reciprocity, there can be some short-circuiting with the old paradigm. And that is, our training is, you give forth first. You put out prayers there first. You go to the river and you give and you do prayers and song and you give cornmeal. In our case, if we're making baskets or anything that involves the willow, we gather willow that is in bloom and we send it down the river with our prayers and our love and our gratitude and ask that it will be prosperous as we send that down the river that that seeding part of the willow will take hold somewhere down the river and continue all of the elders of the willows they are part of our elders well that's part of the short circuitry that's taking place in where i am king and queen and everything serves me that's that dominancy and we humans like being that way oh we don't like being uncomfortable me too i get it i don't like being uncomfortable and i'm like going through all my gyrations to make me more comfortable yeah that's how we are we have to learn how to train, discipline, I know people don't like that word, but to discipline in a positive way mm. of getting our heart, body, and soul all in alignment to understand first you give forth. And part of that is attitude of asking, not demanding, asking, and then seeing what comes back, listening, not just talking that way, but listening. It's not just about having a good spiritual connection. I've spoken with a lot of religious, uh, especially current religious individuals who really are into prayer. Well, prayer is about talking to. And I'm like, are you listening first? Mm -hmm. Then you may speak. And then are you listening afterwards? Meditation, which is about listening should be interwoven. That's part of both sides of that figure eight of you give forth and then you wait and see what comes back. And then you receive, you contemplate that, you give forth. It's a constant negotiation. Um, you you're touching on so many important points. And by the way, when you do, when you do that, I, I'm not a mathematician, but I think of the infinity sign. Um, it is. And because I, I don't, whatever it was, it was a math, it's a mathematical sign. But I don't know the origins of the symbol, but it feels like if one does what you're describing in the same format, take a visual example, for example, then that sort of virtuous cycle of um, existence makes a little bit more sense. Um, so that's great. I had a question for you on the first point, which was. Um, related to the detachment that we in the Western world in particular, we have to the supply chains of the world, meat, food, uh, utilities, and so on and so forth. And uh, we won't go into why we are where we are, because there's been a lot said about that and a lot written about it. And we all sort of know um, that 
economic ideologies and people and presidents and leaders made us who we are today from the 50s to now post-industrial revolutions it's done now we've started well, there's an awakening of sorts yes. the question for you really is what does one do on a practical level and you talked about the sort of regulation the, the the body mind soul coming together but what is what is the the ignorant innocent um person out there do who's not as uh, enlightened or uh, actually let's assume they're not even wired uh, to stage one they're, they're totally disconnected with what we're saying today how do you uh, revive and awaken those individuals who have not understood scarce, scarcity don't know what it means to turn the tap off because after all they've all, all they've seen is abundance abundance of fuel abundance of big cars abundance of 10 liter vehicles and v8s and um, abundance of, of yachts and uh, and all of the uh, you know all of the things that they believe mean success and progress and achievement um, and I won't name any people but the phenomena that you see on these social media I'm, I'm sure you're probably not on it but you've got things like TikTok and all of these amazing uh, interventions in life these days that have uh, confused us or enabled us whatever you whichever camp you're in. Um, there's a lot of noise around all of us today. So we're not as able or as gifted as you. Perhaps your origins and your background, and I'm playing devil's advocate, of course, um, gives you that position of privilege in this instance. But the good news is we have some awareness of, call it even sustainability is, I agree with you, is not the right word. And English is massively limiting, being bilingual myself. Uh, there are a lot of things that you, people who speak other languages have to um, almost translate back to English and the other way around, but you can't find the right terms, so you just end up using sustainability, because it sounds, that's the only word available, of course. And so the big question for you really is, what does one do to get to a point where we can start to understand what you're saying? Well, first and foremost, we have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And that's antithetical to how us humans are built on our DNA, our program from beloved earth, mother below our feet. We have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. That means we have to stretch. We have to come to terms with reality that if you're first off, you're, if you're fighting with reality, what's going to happen? Well, it's going to run over you and you will not survive the experience sooner or later. You will not. And we're all going to die anyway, but you'll die sooner is what happens when you fight with reality. Right. In that, if we actually start looking at, and we can play a numbers game here. Oh, you guys, the Western system has come up with some amazing people who really knew what they were talking about. We talked about it in more poetic terms from a First Nations way. And that right. is how we talk about it is the circle is a, a natural organism. That's where we start. We scientifically know that that's exactly where we start because that's what an ova is. It's an interdimensional circle. Right. We live on a circle that is interdimensional. And it's called Earth. And we have this amazing rhythm created by a beautiful interdimensional circle in the sky known as the moon, grandmother moon. And we also have 
our local day star, the sun, all of which are based on this pattern. Well, so are we inside of us. And in our communities, there is an innate circle, whether we are conscious of it or not, that we engage with all the time. We are even, if we are raised by loving people uh, or someone who loves us, we are held in our circle by their arms to start mm. with. And so if we can get back in touch with that, means we have to regulate our impatience. But if we get back in touch with that circle, what you're putting into that circle will eventually come around. And the circle is actually a pattern that we find in nature. Every single tree has it innate to it. We know that the rings are part of that. We're not the only creature that has an ova that is the shape of a circle, interdimensional circle. I say interdimensional, it's not just three-dimensional, it moves through time and space, and thus it is actually five dimensions in reality, even though we've been trained out of realizing and being in touch with, we're in a time spectrum here, a spatial spectrum. So if those of us whose hearts are awakening, and it's not just First Nations peoples who are awakening, and we... You know, the closer we are to our original First Nations roots, the closer we are to that original rhythm from the get-go, which means at a very, very early age, the advantage that you're talking about, health here, is really simple. You get put out on Earth Mother, and either you have that happen to you as a child, where in my case, there's blue cornmeal that has been raised in a sacred way, that has been ground in a sacred way, and used in a preciously gathered rainwater, and used to rub on your body that you will always be prosperous, always yeah. in touch with the sacredness of life. Well, that's an advantage because that sets the tone from the get-go. Well, you can be set in a circle for just sitting, get your rubber or non-rubber. Now they're plastic. That's even worse. Plastic shoes off. Yes, it originated from Earth Mother, but most plastics are seven levels of processes from when they came out of the ground as petroleum. People don't realize that. It's like minimum of five to nine processes to get into the condition of being a type of plastic. So when we are wearing that, and a lot of our shoes are made that way, if you're getting them done commercially, that separates you. You've got seven to nine processes between you and Earth Mother. So you got to get them off your feet. You got to get on a circle mm. inside of one, whether it's natural that you happen to find or that you set up with rocks or shells and get your but literally on Earth Mother, you can be wearing clothes, but get your butt on Earth Mother. Try and have your clothes be natural. That way her vibration doesn't change. And get yourself back into her breathing, living breath and her electromagnetic system. It'll awaken you. You will get it. It will be painful as all Dickens, I assure you, because you will feel her exact process that she is going through right now. Mm. And she is going through processes that affect all of us. But then once we have awakened that, we have to do the discipline of holding that and being willing to be in uncomfortable 
uncomfortable situation with company that we might not necessarily be with naturally. These are people that perhaps they are of a different political proclivity or a different way of how they treat animals, or maybe they are extremely wealthy. And they talk well about mm. needing to become, quote, sustainable, but right. they're not really acting on that. And in that, then, understand, we are built by nature. So genetically speaking, down to your very core, your whole system is designed to be receptive to Earth Mother. And we are designed, it's 99% of us are socially inclined. It's only 1% who are sociopaths and psychopaths. It seems like it's proliferating incredibly in the greater world now. Sure that's just because our yeah. numbers are so big. Yeah. Our numbers are so big and it's stressful. And so a lot more acting out more. They have permission to act more. And in that, trusting that as I am in your presence, you will feel that vibration coming through me. And it will reawaken in you your own natural connection with Earth Mother. And as you go into that connection with Earth Mother, it will open you to go and start recognizing and realizing, oh, she's a living being. So am I. And there has to be this reciprocal relationship going on here. I have been startled what can happen at a conversation at a coffee house and a conversation that may have only been two, three minutes. Mm -hmm. I've been startled what has happened sitting on a plane flying from Salt Lake City to Seattle mm -hmm. and had someone's whole way of perceiving the world change by a simple conversation, by simply sitting next to them and not appearing to going to bite them Mm -hmm. or cause any other warful like habit but to mm -hmm. be receptive we have to be willing to be receptive and to also be very uncomfortable some of those conversations have definitely been uncomfortable on my side you asked me yeah. why did i do this rick and yeah. this podcast okay <laughs> first live podcast um and i have taped one it has not been shown yet but they get to like you know, we had a couple. Ed, hours they can edit things. To, yeah. Yes, that's right. That's We're going really live. Different. We're straight talking live over here. <laughs> that's right. So all of my frailties, all of your frailties, are all just of mine out too. there. Yep, exactly. Oh yeah, all of it's out there. Yeah. But it's because I have come to terms with, and am relatively comfortable with being uncomfortable, yeah. and because I also, in hearing Earth Mother and all of her spokespeople, the trees, the birds, the deer, the little snakes and lizards, we have to do something. And it's really up to humans to do the something because we're the biggest mm -hmm. perpetrators of the problems. And that means we have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable and be out there. And so being on a podcast was part of it. Be out there. I love it. I love it because you're walking your talk, right? Even in this way. And yeah, it's yeah, it's something that we all are challenged by. And I know that I learned my greatest lessons usually when I'm uncomfortable. As much as I want to always be comfortable, it's usually <laughs> when I'm not that I actually learn my best lessons in my life. Um, oh, and you have to be willing to be a mess publicly. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's part of it. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. 
You know, one thing I want to talk about is um, is an integration of technology and you know connecting with the natural world because technology is not going away. And, and there's a way of dancing with it all, just like you were talking about realizing the elements in the circuit board of a computer and how it's mm -hmm. actually as natural as anything if you start to open up to what's there, right? And yet, of course, we can use anything in a way that's distracting, any technology. I can do screen time and be in my own little comfortable world and forget the bigger uh, forces that are happening around me that are often uncomfortable, right? Especially as the earth is getting excavated and extracted from and all those things if i'm not tuning into that um mm -hmm. and so my question one thing you said very powerfully earlier in a call was you know mother nature is not at the conference she's not at the meeting table there's really no one representing her um how do people choose to be on executive how do we bring that into executive boards how do we bring that into powerful decision-making organizations and situations where talk about underrepresented voices and diversity and inclusion, which we often talk about, that's probably one of the most uh, marginalized voices we have in any decision-making rooms. So I'm curious, how do we integrate technology? I mean, this is a big question. How do we integrate technology and our living um, elements that we're all part of uh, that's natural to the natural world, as well as integrating this kind of wisdom and consciousness of our planet and our ecosystem with the decision-making in, in the boardrooms and, and, and starting mm. to represent those voices and getting them in these conversations? This is a huge question. And we're going to like open the box. Just, yeah. <laughs> Just a little <laughs> opening of that box. So first off, going back to our socialness, we are a social creature and it has been understood by us that about the circle and that we are all in alignment and we are all Part of that circle. In a lot of native languages, we refer to this over and over and over again. In uh, Pache, we talk at the end of our conversations and our prayers and our meditation, we say, Shade. And what that means is the circle is complete, it is whole. What has gone in has gone around the circle and has come back. And it is now complete. And it may have gone through several revolutions in that process, in that circle, but it has at least done that. Mm. And uh, is the Lakota way of referring to and all my relations. The and part is and I and all my relations. Getting back into that circle, well, we can use it to our advantage. As I grow and evolve and become more interactive, we underestimate how sensitive humans are. On average, your average person, is your average brave and brave vet on the trail, 65% picking up on stuff that is unspoken, mm. non-physical. That's all those other subtle signals going on there. Now, granted, that means there's some of us way on the other side. And there's some of us way on the other side, both less sensitive and more sensitive. This is beyond the physical sensory system. This is the non-physical sensory system. It includes a sense of time and space and place. And in that, if I acknowledge I am part of humanity, I can be that pebble that ripples out and begins to affect other humans. And then we can change it. <sighs> sustainability, part of this is in the sustainability issue, is that 
if we just do it up here in our frontal lobes, it's going to be like any fashion statement. We'll do it for 20, 30, 50 years until we get our butts out of the crack. And then we're going to be back in it in another 20, 30 years, just Mm -hmm. like an addict, because addiction is in here. We're addicted to our toys. And that's the truth of it. We're addicted to our toys. They're very addictive. In that, we have to come to terms with that. And if each of us will take responsibility and be that pebble, then others will awaken to it. We need the Greta Thunbergs. We also need the Wallace Black Elks on both sides of the picture. And we need to invite those voices to those tables to speak on behalf of Earth Mother Mm. and to really work at that. The more of us, we're getting close. We're getting very, very close. Uh, Hegel and Marx pointed this out to us, that if you have at least a third of all of the people involved in a culture who understand a new way of being and have shifted the paradigm inside of us. A paradigm is not just an idea up here. That's just a framework. That's a rectangle, a framework. It's a window. But to really change what the eyes are perceiving, the heart is perceiving behind that window, that's shifting that paradigm. So more of us have to shift that inside of us well, when we reach that magical number, and we're getting very close, there's evidence of this. When we reach that magical number, all of us will get it. There'll be a small one to 5% who don't get it. And then when we all get it, we will all awaken to, we need to include Earth Mother. And those of us who are natural at it, and they come in every color, every size, every religion and culture base that exists for humanity. They, it's not just First Nations. All of us at one time were First Nations. We are all citizens of Earth Mother. As we awaken to that, then we will demand more and more that that is part of it. There are some of the big companies that are waking up. Not all of them. Not all of them. But there are some of the big companies waking up. We also have to start thinking about recycling as not just let me recycle this piece of paper or this piece of this can that I just pulled my coconut milk out of or whatever it was. Okay. But to really look at, oh, uh, we have to recycle our equipment. Why aren't we recycling our equipment more instead of getting so addicted to, oh, and now we have another generation and another generation of our AI equipment. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm on a piece of equipment. It's, I am not the first guardian of it. It was gifted to me. It was used before. Yes, I've had to take it in. I've had to have some work done on it and repair work. And they had to wipe out the memory from before and introduce me. And it was a little bit more work than a brand new gadgetry. But it does hold and it serves well and it can be updated. So we have to go into everything this way. There are some groups who are getting there and we have to push harder. And the evidence that we're getting close is because human negativity and human addiction and our love of comfort is having one heck of a tantrum. Right. 
absolutely. It is really having a heck of a tantrum, and we are all being affected by that tantrum. And this is a First Nations perspective, very much so. Um, And I've talked to people who are not First Nations, who are, you know, a little farther away from their roots in that sense. And there are many of them who are awakening to this, some of which I was like, wow, that's my doctor. That's my, (laughs) she checks and makes sure my heart's working right, my intestines, all that stuff, you know. So that's my doctor. And we've had a conversation that humans are adolescents having a tantrum and we don't want to grow up. Well, if we don't wake up to that, who amongst us is going to help us grow up? It has to be through peer pressure. Hmm. That's the only way we're going to be able to do this. Hmm. And peer pressure is actually reciprocal energy in action. Hmm. So why aren't we using it for the positive, for the constructive Hmm. For the beneficial. And also understand I'm on one end of that cycle. And then it also goes into the future and comes back to me. And on the other end of the cycle behind me and into the now. That's what we've been talking about for thousands of years as First Nations. That it's not just me that I act for. That it is my children and their children and their children. Seven generations both ways both ways. And with that, as we become more conscious of this and take that concerted effort to have those uncomfortable conversations, I assure you saying that comment to my doctor as she's checking blood pressure and stuff like that, I'm like, that was uncomfortable. I did not expect that response yet back. Mm. I didn't expect that response back. But she was totally aware of it and totally got it. And she made the comment. She really learned that this year with the last year and a half with COVID. And uh, the lady who is helps with I'm, my well service here, you know, I live out in the country, so I need my well worked on. It's the pump that needs some help. So I was setting up a schedule for them to get out and look at it. And we talked about that, and she has definitely awakened to that. And it is, those are the uncomfortable conversations we have to have. We have to have that, because you have to come to terms with, first it has to come in here, in the front lobes. And then you have to be willing to do that. And if I remind you, just in my presence, in my beingness, and bring the conversation up again, then you are more likely to get it from here through your body and into here, that beautiful limbic brain. And when it gets into that limbic brain, now, now the fireworks can start happening. And when we really love and care about something, when we really get there is danger here, Mm -hmm. we've got to come to terms with that fear and that anger and that grief that we have, or we will not change. Mm And it's a lot of work. There are some, um, I, I hear what you're saying. There are some, there are some questions actually that have come in. Um, the, time, the time's flying by um, very quickly, actually, as we pay attention to what you're saying. Um, one thing before we move to questions, really, is uh, I've got so many things to ask you. I'm trying to work out which one to prioritize in my brain right now. Um, I think the, the, the first one really is the... Um, this concept of, uh, and pardon me if this is an ignorant question, 
but um, if you could describe what it means to be close to Mother Earth, to be play devil's advocate, why? Uh, why do I need to be close to Mother Earth? What energy are you referring to that I don't have in front of my laptop or with the virtual reality device I put on my head or the game that I play for seven hours a day, for example? Can you describe that feeling? Because actually many of us may not know what that means. Mm, that's a great question. And it's quite foundational. When you're young and don't, you can still be receptive. I don't care how old you are. I've done this exercise with people in their 70s and 80s uh, to go out and get their shoes off, get their butt on the ground and mm -hmm. just send their respect and love through their body, from their heart center, down through their body and to Earth Mother and feel what happens. It's counting on your average human is 65% sensitive to non-verbal, non-physical. They oftentimes feel energy back and they're like, whoa, what was that? I will have them put their hands on the earth the same way or lay on earth. Our hands are built to be receptors. So to actually have them on her and to see if they can let themselves breathe as if they were one with her. One of the ways I phrase it is, and this is very indigenous. It really, really is because I grew up with this. As you breathe, so are you breathed. It's not a one way. Mm. It's two ways. As you breathe, so are you breathed. For their scientific minds, I remind them we're dependent on the plants. What I tell them is, all right, try and go for a whole day without any water. Now, mm -hmm. how are you going to stand if earth is not right below you? At some point, even if you're in a skyscraper, at some point, that building has to land somewhere. So to get them out of their equipment. Yeah, it's really easy in virtual land to not be in touch with that. Our beautiful brains are capable of perceiving the infinite and perceive realities that are not the <coughs> physical reality. But at some point, if they don't drink any water or any other liquid, they will get thirsty. Mm. And where does that come from? Well, it comes from earth in one way or another, whether it's up in the sky coming back down or from groundwater, or from a stream, something. So I, I have had a few students say I have cruel <laughs> wrinkle in my humor, where I'm like, okay, no water today. Let's try that. Let's see how long we last here before we get really uncomfortable. No food. I've had people last for quite a while without food. But water, now it's hard. And then I'm like, okay, let's try not breathing. Let's just try not breathing. What happens? So that's part of it. We have to be willing to get them uncomfortable. We have to be willing to take responsibility for each other and get them to unplug their equipment for a while and mm. go out. And I oftentimes suggest, or if they are in close proximity to me, like in the same space, the same area, I get their shoes off of them. I have them take their shoes off and get their feet on the ground and sit there and just send 
your love, respect to her below. You don't have to look at her as a female. You can look at earth as a neutral. That's fine. And send energy and feel what comes back. Let's not put it into like this intellectual poetic thing yet or dominant scientific thing yet. Let's just feel what comes back to us and what happens there. I like that experimentation. Just be curious, have an experience. Don't get too much in your head about it. Just sit down and listen, give, send good energy, see what happens. See what happens. I love Wallace Black Elk as uh, an example because he, one of the things he did was he would have people go out and hug a tree. Mm -hmm. And for a long time, I, you know, many, many years, decades, because when I had the opportunity to speak with him, I was in my 30s at the time, early 30s. And I was curious, wow, do they get it? You know, in my native brain, do they get it? Mm -hmm. And talk about prayers coming back to you many years later, many, many years later in my early 50s. So we're talking 20 Mm -hmm. years give or take a little bit. I was sitting having a conversation with someone. We were at a celebration for a gallery and it was just the artists and their partners and the people who ran the gallery who were there. And one of the other people I'd never met her, she was one of the other artists' partners. And she and I were sitting and talking. And when she found out I was part native And we were talking about art and all this other thing. She just suddenly turned to me and she said, you know, I met Wallace Black Elk. I went, now she has my attention Mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. I'd met him and I had, you know, now I'm like, wow, what was that like? She said, oh, he made me go out and hug a tree. And you know what? The tree spoke to me. Mm -hmm. I was like, somebody got it. And Mm -hmm. she said, it's changed my whole life. I'm so much more respectful of nature. I don't Mm. trash it as much. I really try to recycle. I tell other people to recycle. I tell people to go hug a tree. They don't all get it, but I got it. I, it blew me away. I was like, okay, there's an example, living example. Mm. Get out there, be with her. You're actually speaking to one of the questions that just came in from a, from a city dweller. So we have a question from a city dweller, and it's a very good practical question that I think we all deal with. And it's basically this person um, on, from Facebook says, I feel like I need to be within nature to be able to have a re- reciprocal relationship with earth, but I live in a city without many green spaces. Is there a way I can apply your principles as a city dweller? Have a piece of earth with respect in a pot. What that looks like is gardening. Mm. Who says they all have to be in direct earth? Why can we not gather some earth, make a little terrarium or a little something? I often have some of the city dwellers who do come to me and they do it in a very respectful, loving way. They ask the earth that goes in that pot. We put some rocks on the bottom that have been gathered respectfully. Even if you have to buy it, do it respectfully do it with honor and appreciation, Uh, gather some of those rocks yourself, clean them up. You need to soak them in vinegar. You don't know what bacteria is coming in from a different part of the world into this little plant that you're going to put in there and to don't use Clorox vinegar. Okay. (laughs) 
All right. And put a layer of rocks, put in your soil, do it in a respectful way. It's a little more complicated when I'm teaching it. I literally have them do a circle and all sorts of stuff. But, you know, this is the essence of what we're talking about. And then they put their plant in there and they actually acknowledge the directions with something at each of the directions on the top like a shell or a crystal or a little image of maybe they're Hindu in their practice of Ganesh, or maybe they are practicing Buddhism or, you know, they put Kuan Yin in there, Mm -hmm. or maybe they're Jewish, Archangel Michael or something or native. All right. I'm going to put an image of a Kachina for the Shalako for earth mother and sun father in there. But to have that, acknowledging that circle. And I idealized that they use a circle for that pot and they put a plant in there and they take care of it. So every single, not always every day, it'd be ideal if every day they interact with it, but they can literally put their hands in that soil and Mm -hmm. touch that plant and ask for that reciprocal relationship with Mm -hmm. it. If you're new to this, don't go to complicated plants. Go to something pretty easy. Ask your local garden shop, what's pretty easy to grow here? I'm Mm -hmm. not good at this. I'm new at this. Mm -hmm. You're a little farther along. Okay, now we can play with orchids and Mm -hmm. (laughs) something like that. But start with something pretty basic. And you can create that. But Mm -hmm. be sure that you ask and honor that it also was part of earth and you are taking parts from earth that you are placing in your home and asking it to be reciprocal with you. Mm. So honor that, listen to the water it needs, listen to the air that it needs, pay attention to the amount of sunshine it needs, the amount of cold, the amount of, and here we are exact reciprocity in action with that plant. It'll get you in touch. You know, as, as we're winding up the show right now, your point right there just struck me in how simple yet how profound that whole point is. If I take any human relationship, if I'm just taking, 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 who's going to want to stay with me, right? Like relationships have to be give and take. They have to be reciprocal to really be nurturing and nourishing for all parties. So why would the earth be any different? Mm -hmm. Right. And it's like such a fundamental lesson that I think we just, I I forget every day as I'm walking through my screen time to screen time and the things that I do, Uh, but how I just appreciate how that's really spoken clearly today. So message received. If you want to push the garden idea to another level, um, you can always choose to have an edible plant in there. Mm. No. Chard is beautiful. Chard is beautiful. And you can trim it back and it'll grow back. And there's like every time you eat that, boy, talk about reciprocity going on there. Right. Okay. I want to thank you so much for being on our show. Um, this is your first podcast live. How'd it go? <laughs> <laughs> I had a couple of pitches, but emotionally and one in my language. Where there was a word having trouble getting it out. But other than that, and you're easy. You guys are so easy to work with. You made it a pip. Mm. So I I enjoyed it. And uh, I'm going to, after we're done, I will then sit down and mm. go outside with some water and breathe mm. and hope that my ancestors will mm. feel that I have represented us well. Mm. 
Uh, yeah, I just wanted to. I wanted to. We could. We need to talk for much longer, of course, maybe offline, not on the live show. We'd like to bring you back if you were ever interested in doing so without too much technology interference. Um, one thing I will say that you've given us today are realizations for both Rick and I. It's sort of a different show for us today. Um, our shows are um, a mix of quite diverse, but today I think has been about a lot of listening, a lot of reflection for both Rick and I. We often ask loads of questions and we don't have a problem interrupting sometimes. But we were absorbing everything you said because what you're saying really is um, very important for longevity not just uh, for, for us on the show and the people on, uh, on, the, on the show today and our listeners, but for the longevity of this kind of world that we rely on. And I, I've taken away, I don't know how you said it, but the way I processed it, you said it in English, but the way, the way I processed it in whatever language was, while I'm breathing, um, the, the world is sort of breathing with me. And it's not just me individually doing it. It's very important to realize that in the world where we have so much stress, panic attacks, depression, uh, short breathing cycles, da-da, da-da, da-da. So uh, you've given us so much. Thank you so much. And um, we'd love to have you back at some point. Uh, deeply grateful. Uh, Rick, please close. The, close and, and then where can people find out more about you and your work? Is there any place they should go to learn more about how to get in touch with your wisdom and your work? Oh, wow. That's a big question. I am. Um... I truly do my best. Like, you know what you went through, Rick, to meet me. And it, it even ain't though easy, it folks. Over, it ain't easy, folks. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I, I really hold to that, that, you know, it needs a personal introduction. Yeah. Uh, they can talk to you. They, yeah. there is, I have written books. Um, I do teach through uh, the BOA Foundation, the Aniwa. And I have been known to do other lectures and talks, uh, Center for uh, Sacred uh, Learning is one of them. So there are ways. And if you truly are sincere of heart, you know, as my example, you put out a prayer, it might not be as immediate as turning on your equipment. <laughs> <laughs> But they do get answered and ask yes. them to come back. And uh, you can look up my name on a search engine and you can yes. find me and you can see some of the stuff I've mm. done. And there are ways. Mm. I have actually had people spend some time and get a hold of me. I just had one as a guest here in my home for two weeks. Took her a year, but she got there. Oh, cool. It can happen. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for all the work that you're doing and your time and generosity and your important message. Um, and so as, as you've taught me today, Shade, the circle is now complete. Shade. Yes. Shade from my beingness to yours and all of yours out there, but especially you three facilitating this and to Jennifer Mankey, who is mm. the bridge that introduced us. That's right. Shade. Thank you, Jennifer. Shade. Okay. Thank you. Have a wonderful, blessed day, everyone. Talk to you soon. Good